welcome back to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia, the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests influence public policy in Florida. I am recording this on the morning of day 15 of the Florida legislature's 60-day legislative session. That means we are now a quarter of the way through the session. It also means a whole bunch of bills are moving now, and they're moving fast. So we're going to do a quick recap of some of the ones that moved yesterday. And, you know, I spend a lot of time writing about some pretty ugly bills. I mean, if uh, you are oriented around the what's best for workers and consumers, uh, the Florida legislature can be a pretty dark place. Um, but we're going to shake things up today and do something a little different and start with a really good bill. Senate Bill 1104. This is a this is a property property insurance bill. Now, it, it doesn't really address anything fundamental to the crisis. It's more kind of like a Band-Aid than anything else, but it's still a really good idea. This bill is basically meant to help home and business owners whose properties are damaged during a hurricane by making sure their insurance carriers cannot cancel their coverage before they have a chance to make repairs. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to avoid folks getting uh, getting stuck in an impossible situation where they've got to go find insurance on a home that, you know, still has a blue tarp over the roof or still is peeling out the drywall or something like that. Um, the the There's a bunch of sort of nitty, you know, specifics in there. Generally speaking, it would mean uh, an insurance company couldn't cancel a policy on a home or business owner until... 90 days after repairs are done if uh, if the property had been damaged in a hurricane. There's also a provision to protect folks who are damaged by flood waters or like um, storm surge in a hurricane uh, who don't actually have flood insurance. And basically, th this provision would say um, if your home is damaged by flood and you don't have flood insurance, your insurance carrier uh, providing your homeowner's insurance can't cancel your coverage until either one year after the loss occurred or the completion of repairs. And again, this is just designed to make sure folks have enough time to make repairs to their homes and businesses um, before, uh, without sort of losing the protection of insurance and putting them at risk of losing everything. Um, the, the insurance industry hates this bill. A uh, parade of insurance lobbyists lined up to testify against it yesterday in a Senate committee, and it still passed unanimously. You absolutely love to see it. Um, Unfortunately, we're going to switch now uh, to some more bad bills, specifically Senate Bill 1436. Um, this is one of a few predatory lending bills we've got uh, filed in the Florida legislature this year. This one deals with what um, uh, are often called installment lenders or consumer finance lenders. Um, these are these are companies like OneMain that uh, serve per subprime borrowers, basically people with really low incomes or, or poor credit histories who can't qualify for like a credit card or a bank loan or something. You know, um, generally speaking, uh, there are some, there are interest rate caps on these kind of loans. Basically, you know, generally speaking, loans can't charge interest rates more than 18%. We make an exception for these kind of consumer installment loans uh, on loans up to 25,000, but still there's uh there are caps. This bill, Senate Bill 1436, would um, dramatically raise those interest caps. And so companies like OneMain, Opportune is another one, could charge far higher interest rates on the very low income borrowers they serve. Um, the, there's like a sliding scale in here, so the specifics can get a little uh, weedy, but basically interest rates could nearly double on most of the loans these companies issue. Um, 
Yeah, you'll be interested to know there was exactly one company that testified in favor of it. That was one main a company that, by the way, did almost $900 million in profits last year. Now, what's especially wild is that this uh, same Senate committee that passed this bill that would allow lenders like OneMain to jack up the interest rates they charge low-income borrowers also passed a bill that would cut funding for legal aid. This is funding that helps provide attorneys to folks living at or near the poverty line who need an attorney in civil cases like a, like an eviction case or a child support case. Um, so, so funding for legal aid in Florida comes from uh, the interest on what are called trust accounts. These are basically bank accounts that attorneys and law firms have to use to hold their client funds. Um, there was uh, recently, and I'm still learning more about this, but recently there was a, a Florida Supreme Court ruling that um, had a big impact on those interest rates, um, essentially essentially raised those interest rates uh, and produced a lot of extra funding for legal aid, which is, which is a great thing. Uh, but the banking industry uh, is furious about this. So they've come to the legislature with a bill that would essentially cut those interest rates and uh, and in doing so, cut funding for legal aid. Uh, you know, legal aid is one of those things that, um, you know, I, I won't speak for everyone, but I didn't used to think too much about until I, I read a book called Evicted by a uh, Princeton University professor named Matthew Desmond. And it's like probably one of the most formative books for me in terms of how I think about the housing crisis and homelessness and affordable housing. Um but one of the one of the takeaways from that book is like one of the single most important things we can do to um, help people with housing stability and and address homelessness is simply just provide them with representation in eviction cases. So it's not so one sided in favor of landlords. This is basically, the power of a lawyer in a in a civil case is a really important kind of field level leveler, um, and you know. This affects a ton of people. There are more than 4 million people in Florida who would fall within kind of at or near the poverty line that would qualify for legal aid. Um, so any bill that uh, that would cut legal aid funding is really alarming. Uh, now, I will say, um, again, I am still just kind of learning this issue and and sort of listening to some of the debate, particularly from the, the banking industry lobbyists. Um, it, it seems to me, at least superficially, uh, that you know, some of the arguments they make do make sense. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to sort of blast this as a, as a, you know, banking industry, you know, big banks, big banking and doing more awful things. It, it might be, it might be, and I will plan to learn a bit more about this and, and I'm sure we'll be talking more about this bill, um, uh, if it continues to advance and it sure seems with like the, the bank of Americas of the world pushing it, it sure seems like it's likely to. Um, let's move on to a uh, clearly bad bill, uh, Senate Bill 1746, which is essentially a follow up on uh, last year's Senate Bill 256, which was just sort of uh, one of the most uh, openly union busting bills this Florida legislature has ever passed. Um, we, we've written a lot about that bill on on seeking grants in the past, but the, the, the it did a bunch of things. But like the gist of it is. It made it harder for uh, most public employees to pay dues while also requiring more of them to pay dues if they want to keep their unions. And, you know, unions are the best way to get higher wages and better benefits. And even if you don't belong to a union, you end up benefiting from it because of all the spillover effects it has on sort of the competition for employees. Now, anyway, uh, 
I, I often sort of said the big lie of last year's session came around this bill because all the Republican sponsors and Ron DeSantis, who had made this a big priority before launching his presidential campaign, would talk about how they were trying to uh, protect workers and sort of, you know, make their unions work better for them, except uh, they made sure to exempt all the unions they like, basically the unions representing firefighters, police officers, prison guards, highway troopers, you know, essentially the the folks that are willing to stand behind Ron DeSantis's props while he like vilifies civil rights protests or takes over Disney, for instance. Um, anyway, Senate Bill uh, 1746 ends up trying to sort of fix and tweak a few things about that that awful bill, awful union busting last year. But what's sort of funny about it is it, it continues to expand exemptions for, you know, favored unions. So so this this Senate Bill 56, uh, which was, again, supposed to be allegedly good for employees, um, is now going to uh, also exempt uh, 911 dispatchers, EMTs and paramedics, too. So I guess I guess by the logic of Senate Bill 256 being good for workers, that means that the supporters of this legislation hate 911 dispatchers, EMTs or paramedics. No, obviously, the real reason is is 256 was awful for workers, and that's why any 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 union with juice with Republicans is making sure they get pulled out of it, you know. Um, and, and you know, okay, so we'll do just one more bill today. I, I skipped an update Friday uh, from Friday Friday's day of activity and session, so this one's kind of a twofer because uh, yesterday the Senate passed a bill called Senate Bill Seven Forty Two, um, which is essentially matched up with a bill, a bill moving through the House, House Bill Seven Hundred Five, that advanced on Friday in the House, um, and but. Before I explain this bill, let me just sort of like uh, offer a, a word of caution. Um, if anyone from the Florida legislature ever approaches you offering to make a deal, don't do it. I, I mean, if one of these guys stops you on the sidewalk with an offer, just run screaming in the other direction. And, and here's what I mean by this. this um, these bills, Senate Bill 742 and House Bill 705, deal with uh, public works projects, essentially construction projects of of uh, of of uh, public buildings and public assets, that sort of thing. Um, there has been a big push. We've talked and written a lot about this um, by local communities, particularly like the big cities and urban counties like Miami and Tampa and Orlando to require government contractors to pay higher wages or provide other better benefits um, for their workers. You know, the idea is you want people, you know, the people building your courthouse should be able to live, should be able to afford to live in your community, right? Um and so the construction industry despises these things. They want to pay people as as little as possible and provide as few benefits as possible. Um, and so in 2017, there was a compromise on this stuff. The, the legislature passed a law that said, basically, you can't do a living wage on any public construction project where the state itself is providing most of most of the funding. So city or county, you can't if, if, if you're getting most of the money for that courthouse from the state, you can't make the construction company pay a living wage. Okay. Fair enough. Fine. If the state wants to outlaw it on stuff it's paying for, fine. Then just four years later, 2021, they come back and they do another bill that says, you know what? Now now we're going to do uh, cities and counties. You, you can't do a living wage on any public construction construction project using any state funding at all, even if it's just like one dollar out of, you know, out of uh, 20 million dollars. You, you can't do it. Um, but they at least made another compromise there. But we're going to say it's only on contracts worth a million dollars or more if it's if it's less than a million and uh, and you can still you can still do a living wage. So two years later, 2023, they come back and say, you know what? 
you can't do a living wage on public construction projects using any state funding at all, no matter how big or small. So we just we undid we undid the deal from two years ago. That's 2023. And now we're back again undoing the deal from last year. House Senate Bill 742 and House Bill 705 essentially say would prohibit any living wage requirements on any public construction contract at all, even if the city or county is providing all of the funding itself. I mean, you are better off trying to swim across a river with a scorpion on your back than you are trying to trust a deal with this Florida legislature. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there just to try and keep this uh, manageable. Um, there's uh, a bunch of uh, really troubling bills starting to move this week, so um, uh, we will be back uh, soon with updates on those too. Uh, until then, uh, as always, if you uh, haven't already, please consider signing up for a subscription to Seeking Rents. The easiest way to find us is SeekingRentsFL.com. Uh, none of our stories are behind a paywall. You can subscribe for free, but there's um, also an option to uh, voluntarily pay for a subscription and support our work uh, if you can afford to. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to again. Uh, we'll talk again very soon. Thanks, Bye.